Are there any American Indians buried here? American Indians have served in our nation's armed forces since the founding of the Republic, and they have done so in numbers well above their small percentage of the general population. For example, if all Americans had volunteered to serve in our nation's armed forces during World War II at the same rate as did our native peoples, there would have been no need for a draft. American Indians continue to serve, and they do so in greater numbers per capita than any other ethnic group in the United States. In recognition of that remarkable record of service and patriotism, Congress, in December 2013, authorized the National Museum of the American Indian to create the National Native American Veterans Memorial on its grounds. The goal is to give people the world over the opportunity to learn of the proud and courageous tradition of service of Native Americans in our nation's armed forces. I am the senior advisor to the memorial, which is to be dedicated on Veterans Day 2020. Since one of our goals is to identify and list every Native American who has ever served in the U.S. military, beginning with the 5,000 or so in the Continental Army, we seldom miss an opportunity to add a Native American to our database. That endeavor led to the following remarkable experience. In September 2017, my wife Susan and I were part of a lifelong learning institute travel study group from Northern Virginia on a Grand Circle travel excursion to Southern France. On September 3rd, en route to Nice, our final destination for the day, there was a planned stop in Graguignan, France to visit the Rhone American Military Cemetery. Buried there are 861 American servicemen, most of whom died in the late summer of 1944 during Operation Dragoon, the Allied invasion of southern France often cited as the second D-Day. Launched on August 15 from the Mediterranean Sea, its primary goal was to open a second battlefront in France, forcing the Axis powers to divert forces from the Normandy combat zone in northern France and, hopefully, facilitating the Allied push into Western Europe. Most of those interred at Rhone were members of the U.S. 7th Army, in particular the U.S. 45th Infantry Division, known as the Thunderbirds. The nickname is derived from their sh shoulder patch, which features a Thunderbird, a distinctive Native American symbol. This was appropriate because a majority of the soldiers in the 45th Division were Indians. At the cemetery, Mr. Dwight Anderson, we call him Andy, the cemetery superintendent and representative of the American Battle Monuments Commission, welcomed us and led us on a thought-provoking and moving tour. During our visit, I asked Andy if he knew of any American Indians buried in the cemetery. Yes, he said, there was one, and he took me to the gravesite of Private Andrew Perry, a Choctaw from Oklahoma who was killed in southern France on August 20th, 1944, during Operation Dragoon. After I explained the reason for my inquiry, Andy asked me if I might be able to help him. He needed a picture of Private Perry. 
A goal of the cemetery is to have a photograph of each internee, but unfortunately, it lacked one of Private Perry. When I returned to the United States, I contacted the Veterans Office of the Choctaw Tribe in Oklahoma and asked if anyone could put me in touch with a member of Perry's family. I received the phone number for Ms. Debbie Cheswala, Andrew's niece. She was delighted to send her uncle's picture to Anderson and to share with me family stories and his letters home. As I soon discovered, Andrew Perry was no ordinary foot soldier. He was a code talker, one of four Choctaw code talkers who served in World War II. The other three were Schlick Billy, Davis Pickens, and Forreston Baker. Pickens was also killed in action. Most Americans, if they know anything about Indian service in World War II, are aware of Ira Hayes, the Pima Marine who helped raise the flag on Iwo Jima, and they have heard about the Navajo Code Talkers who were active in the Pacific Theater. Although the Navajo Code Talkers get the most attention, 33 other tribes, including the Choctaw, contributed Code Talkers to the war effort. The great irony, of course, is that at the time, Indian languages were crucial to the success of our war effort. The federal government was forcing Indian children to abandon their native tongues and learn English. Even fewer Americans know that the use of code talkers began in World War I, and they were instrumental in bringing that long and terrible conflict to an end. The use of Indians as code talkers was largely happenstance. The Germans had been so adept at, at intercepting and decoding Allied messages that surprise attacks invariably failed, and a result was a long and protracted trench warfare that came to be a hallmark of the Great War. All this changed shortly after the United States entered the conflict in 1917, when a U.S. Army officer overheard two of his Choctaw soldiers talking in their native tongue. He could not understand what they were saying, and he figured neither would the Germans. Thus began the use of Indians to send oral and written messages in their own languages. Within 24 hours after the Choctaw telephone messengers began their work, the tide of the battle turned. Within three days, the Germans were retreating and the Allies were on full attack. The armistice that ended World War I was signed on November 11, 1918, just a month after the first Choctaw message was used in combat. A captured German later admitted that his side could not make any sense of the Indian messages that they intercepted. What language were they speaking? The bewildered German asked. American, his captors told him. In addition to the Choctaws, Indian doughboys from other tribes, including the Cheyenne, Comanche, Cherokee, Osage, and Yankton Sioux, are also known to have sent messages in their own languages. In a sense, they were not code talkers, like their compatriots in World War II, because they simply spoke to each other in their own language none of which the Germans could understand or recognize. However, because certain military terms do not exist in tribal languages, the Choctaws made some creative adaptations that could pass as codes, such as bad air for poison gas, stone for hand grenade, 
tribe for regiment, turtle for tank, and hawk for airplane. An interesting and largely unknown side note, with the possibility of another World War looming, Hitler in the 30s sent German scholars into Indian country, supposedly to study native languages. It was an attempt to foil their use should the United States enter the pending conflict. Indeed, the success of Indians as code talkers was not forgotten, and when World War II did erupt, the military quickly recruited Indians who were fluent in their native tongues to become code talkers, and one of them was Andrew Perry, a Choctaw born in 1920 who had not learned English until he had gone to school. Andrew was 19 when he enlisted in the Army. In a letter to his sister while in basic training, he wrote, We will pull out of here someday, to where I don't know and don't care. We should have already been in Ireland, but it was changed, and so we are still here waiting anxiously to move away from here, which I hope we do before it gets too cold here. One of the things he enjoyed doing was marching. Did you listen to the Chicago Bears and Eastern All-Stars play football, he wrote. It was played at Boston. Well, we paraded there before it started. Two platoons of full-blooded Indians from Oklahoma, and we watched the game. I have paraded before many important people and large crowds, especially at New York, where I enjoyed it the most. Andrew Perry wrote his last letter home March 11, 1944, five months before his death. Dear Sis, still battling here in Italy and mighty tired of it, but can't give up. I've lived through several months of fighting, but still that's no sign I'll be able to go home as anything can happen at any moment. But I never do let that worry me. Because if it's my time, I'll go. Andrew. The people of Draguignan, as do most French citizens, remain deeply grateful for the ultimate sacrifice that so many American military personnel made in the liberation of France during World War II. An example of this gratitude is the Souvenir Franco-American or Franco-American Society that was founded in Draguignan on August 16, 1968. Each Memorial Day since its founding, the Society, in partnership with the Mayor of Draguignan, honors the memory of American service members who are buried in the Rhone American Military Cemetery by inviting and hosting two family members of one of the fallen Americans. During the stirring and poignant ceremony that features French and American military personnel, including honor guards and musicians, the mayor of Draguignan, yes, along with members of the Franco-American Society and a variety of civic and military leaders, pay homage to the fallen Americans. The designated service member and the invited family members who are all given special recognition. As a direct result of our Grand Circle travel visit to the cemetery and the question I asked, Debbie Cheswala and her Osage cousin Chad Renfo were the guests of honor at the 2018 Memorial Day ceremony. 
Because we initiated the contact, we were participated in, we were invited and honored to participate in the stirring commemoration that took place on Sunday, May 27, 2018, as well as in several other events that occurred over the course of several days. One of these events was a reception on Friday, May 25th, at La Marie, the town hall where Draguignan Mayor Richard Strombio welcomed the guests of honor, Ms. Chihuahua and her cousin, and also in attendance was a group of junior high school students who had made a special presentation to give to Ms. Chihuahua. They made a large, about three-by-three-foot poster that they had created featuring various highlights in Private Perry's life. The images included his photograph, Choctaw Cove Talker commemoration medal, a totem pole, an American tank, and the Ronan Cemetery featuring the U.S. flag flying over the chapel. This art class project was a direct result of cooperation between the cemetery's educational outreach liaison, Ms. Allison Labursa, and the teachers of the Jean Moulin Lycée. Debbie and Chaired were very touched, as all of us were. One of the last events of our very memorable week was a question and answer session with the students in the library at the Jean Moulin Lycée. The young people were excited to meet two American Indians, and they had prepared many thoughtful questions about American Indian culture, which they asked in English. Debbie and Chad were enthusiastic, honest, and thorough in their responses, to the delight of all. Some of the questions, why did Indians assimilate? Why did Indians fight with Americans in World War II? Did wars other than World War II use code talkers? Where do the Choctaws live today? Do Indians have any special religion? What sports do Indians play? Do the, le- do the Choctaws have any legends? Almost as memorable as these major events were the sightseeing excursions the Franco-American Society arranged for us and the dinners they hosted for us in their homes. None of us will ever forget the warmth, the generosity, and the kindness everyone expressed for us in the memory of Andrew Perry, whose spirit still lives as a result of this remarkable moment. Indians believe departed loved ones never die as long as their memories are kept alive. We never could have foreseen all that we would learn and experience from one simple question. Are there any American Indians buried here?